The show that will take you to discover the edible treasures of Mexico. Episode 21. Hello and welcome to this episode of Paz de Chipotle, the audible companion of Sabor, This is Mexican Food, a digital magazine dedicated to exploring the markets, streets, recipes and traditions that made Mexico an edible paradise. I'm your host, Rocío Carvajal, food historian, cook and author. To find more information about this show, please go to pazdechipotle.com. Find the show on Twitter as Chipotle Podcast. You can subscribe, share and review this show via iTunes, Stitcher and the Apple Podcast app. After a few frights and some emergency IT work, the website and the show are back in the interwebs. I took the chance to make some improvements around. Thank you all for your support and patience. Since the previous episode, one of my parallel current projects has taken me all over London and beyond, where I have met, photographed and enjoyed the wonderful food like that of Armenian cook Natalie Nevart, the Persian food of Mandana Mohadan, Katrina Kolegeva and her Russian cuisine, and more recently, the talented Nigerian cook Shakirat Akinosho. These experiences had led me to reflect about the many shared cultural traditions of conviviality and togetherness. Time and time again, I find myself surrounded by immigrants and nomads like myself, that for whatever reason, they have left their home countries following a professional path, their passions, and every now and then, I meet those who follow their heart and face all sorts of challenges to be with a person they love and to make things better, they find in food a new common language. I know that story very well, and perhaps that's one of the many reasons I bonded straight away with Carla Sasueta, a Mexican expat who swapped the sun-kissed west coast of Mexico's California to settle in London, one of the most vibrant cities with many layers of multicultural history and is the epicenter of many defining cultural and political movements that have changed the history of the Western world. A language teacher by training, Carla moved to London more than 15 years ago and after meeting El Inglés, the English chap who would become her husband, her increasing disappointment at not being able to find places where to eat authentic Mexican food pushed her to take matters into her hands and set up the blog Mexican Food Memories and soon after started running her own cookery classes. From a time when Mexican ingredients were next to impossible to find, the current food scene in Britain has seen an increase in the number of restaurants that offer real Mexican food. But what about the everyday people who want to cook Mexican food at home? Where to start? How to process the ingredients and how to combine them? Well, this is precisely where Carla comes in and walks them through the flavorful world that is Mexican home cooking. Through her private cooking classes, 
She takes the fear factor out of the question and transforms people's conceptions about one of the world's most celebrated cuisines. We had the joy of recording this interview at Carla's home, where we enjoyed a day of stories, laughter, tequila, and wonderful food. I hope you enjoy this episode. It's a lovely afternoon and we woke up with a lot of snow uh, this cold day in London. But finally, I am at Carla's home. We just had a lovely bowl of green pozole, which actually is the first time I've had this vegetarian version and it was absolutely delicious. I'm so much looking forward to this long-awaited interview. Paisana, that is country mate. Thank you so much for welcoming me and the microphones of Pase Chipotle to your lovely home. It's so great to be here. I'm so glad that you are here and welcome to my house. And I am so happy that we finally were having the interview and I'm like really happy as well that you like my cream pozole. <laughs> It was delicious, of course. <laughs> Carla, well, no doubt... You pioneered traditional Mexican food uh, here in London through your website and uh, your private cooking classes following your entrepreneurial passion here in London long before it was cool to order avocado on toast for five pounds. Your work has been featured in many food blogs and even in The Guardian, much to your surprise because no, you didn't even know. That. I didn't even know that I've been like in The, the Guardian you, Yeah, I know. For those of you who don't know what The Guardian is, it's a London-based newspaper. And well, uh, with years of experience under your belt and the launch of your on permanent supper club just around the corner, you have earned your reputation with continuous hard work and dedication. But your story and close relationship with traditional Mexican food began many moons ago, back in your sunny hometown of Ensenada, California, a busy tourism destination famous for its marine reserves, delicious seafood, and more recently, craft wineries. You had the fortune to have amazingly gifted parents with great cooking skills that helped them complement their day jobs by making and selling treats. What it was like for you to grow up helping and learning from your parents these traditional uh, dishes and treats that you were pretty much uh, making every week? It was actually very fun, but at that time I kind of didn't realize how important was what we was this what we were doing with my parents. We kind of always saw it like a kind of like a chore that we had to help. But you know now when I think about it, it was amazing. It, you know to be able to be in the kitchen with my mom and my dad for example when we used to sell tamales so my mom was the mastermind of the tamales we would all help so it was just like a family activity we would all do something and that was you know such a nice experience I do have so many fond memories about cooking in my family, not only with my parents, but with my grandma and my aunties. We, you know, I come from a, a family where we all cook and we all cook from scratch. 
and I have this uncle that does eats on cheeses he sells cheese and then I have this auntie that you know funnily enough she has like a like a supper club thing she so she sells food at her house so she had like takeaway yeah kind of like a takeaway oh okay thing. okay you know my mom's family has always been very entrepreneurial in related with food so it was it was really nice growing up in this atmosphere of food and it was just you know very nice experience mm. well just don't i don't want you to have the wrong impression uh dear listeners that every mexican family uh has the same dynamic not at all i mean this is a very special case uh, i don't think i've ever met that um that many people um uh, you know whose family members uh, or you know members of their family were all involved in making food and uh, <laughs> selling uh, very specific kind of uh, items so in mexico we say that you can never deny the cross of your parish Uh, this saying means that you will remain true to your origins and in many ways I think you Carla have followed not only your parents but your family's steps because while you shared your, your father's passion for teaching uh, you had no problem whatsoever in transitioning from teaching Spanish uh, to running cookery classes But how did that happen? And could you tell us more also about um, your father's work as a teacher and your mom's passion as a cook? And and I think all those things crystallized with your work now. Well, my dad was a primary teacher, but his passion was food. He actually always wanted to have his own restaurant. And I think at some point in his life, he actually owned a taqueria. When after he passed away, my mom you know, told us this story that he actually had a taqueria. As you probably all know, you know, you don't really get rich being a teacher in Mexico. No. <laughs> so as a second job, my my father used to actually do something with cooking and my mom would help my dad selling food or whatever she could do, she would just do it. So my dad would actually be the main cook at the at our house okay because my mom never really liked cooking that much okay okay well, but fair enough. saying that you know it's really funny because she was she's really good at cooking her family recipes okay so in my mom's family you know they're like it's a big family it's a family of 14 children well now 13 children uh so they all cook Especially my aunties, they're just like... Well, imagine amazing. 14 cooks. Yeah. <laughs> amazing, amazing cooks, all my aunties. There are like seven of them and they all cook very well, including my mom, you know. And then my dad, my dad grew up by the beach in Ensenada. So my dad is from Ensenada. And, you know, growing up, they would just basically go and look for their food most of the time. And so you, I remember when I was growing up, uh, I remember vividly, we would go to the countryside and pick up uh, watercress. Yeah, so my dad was kind of like a foodie of its time. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. he was kind of like he, a... He would just forage yeah. and fish. Yes, and all he, we would all, you know, we would go to the countryside and we would come back with, you know, vegetables, all the would grow organic and but at that time you never heard the word organic no, no. but it was it was just amazing and then 
you know, because in a city mm-hmm. where there's a port, we would go to the beach and we would just pick. My dad and my uncles would go into the beach and they, they would pick up lots of mussels mm-hmm. and we would come back. You're not going to believe, but we would come back home with buckets full wow. of mussels and we would eat mussels for like about a week. It was amazing. It was basically amazing. And so my mom is from Sinaloa. So when we used to spend all our holidays in Sinaloa, there was always somebody cooking in the kitchen and there was always like, you know, cooking something different every time. And at breakfast, we would always be thinking about what to cook for dinner and things like that. So that's how, you know, my passion for food is started mm-hmm. because I just grew up doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I came to London kind of 15 years ago in a teacher exchange. Uh, so I taught Spanish for like a seven years. Then I have my babies with my English. That's her English husband. <laughs> That's my English husband. And then, you know, one thing led to another one. Then I saw myself cooking and writing recipes and sharing my recipes in, in a blog that I would, didn't actually think in a million years to do because I'm not very um, old. <laughs> I, I don't know anything about computers, to be honest. So I was kind of like worried about how to start this blog. And I do remember, you know, Sonia from Piña, La Piña en la Cocina. Yes, yes, she has been in the, in yeah, the show. Yeah, I do remember having the conversation with Sonia on, um, on a text message saying, you know, how do you start? Because by that time, she already had been having her blog for many years. And so she was already established. So she actually, you know, helped me and encouraged me to do it. And I was really scared because I wasn't, I'm not a chef. So I'm just a cook. I, I like a... Wait, wait, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. She says she's not a chef. Fine. So chefs go and train. I mean, and I don't want to diminish the great skills of chefs. But they go to, to university or, you know, gastronomy school, train for three, four years. And off to the world they go. This woman grew up in a family of amazing cooks, really talented people, not only cooking family recipes, but even doing, you know, all these, um, having all these skills of foraging, fishing, and entrepreneurial skills. You have to take with a pinch of salt when she says, I'm just a cook. She's, she is indeed an amazing cook with a, an amazing uh, you know, family legacy. So yes. again, <laughs> you had you had all this knowledge, yeah. and you were like, "How do I put it together?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, my husband, you in some of my friends would you know would say to me, "Do something with all these skills that you have." Mm-hmm. But I, I always felt like it wasn't the right thing for me to do that because I would I didn't have this paper that would say that I you know, you're a professional chef or something. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's true what you said. I grew up in this atmosphere and I, I, I probably have it in my blood. Like my mom said, you know, we I, I inherit my dad's genes and I have the amazing memories in the, of being... You know, in the kitchen with my aunties from my, you know, my mom's family and seeing them cooking all the time and 
I would always help in the kitchen. We would always help in the kitchen. Too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we would help my dad in the kitchen all the time, and he would just tell us, you know, you have to chop this and you have to chop like that. And so you have all those voices yes, playing in your head again. Yes, yes I can do it. And no? everything had to be done from scratch at that time. We didn't have anything like uh, ready meals or nothing like that. We would actually go and buy our daily week to the market uh, because there was no such a thing as supermarkets at the time. That it wasn't fashionable go to the supermarket like it is now. So you would we would go to La Carniceria, the butchers, and so then I decided that yes, I'm going to write a blog. It's not the best blog in the world, but you know I share my family recipes there. It's really really popular. <laughs> and then you know, and then the cooking classes. Well, those basically <clears throat> it started because a friend of mine came and she wanted to learn to to make uh, chiles rellenos, stuffed peppers, and I taught her how to make them. And then after that, she said to me, you're really good at this. So I thought, yes, that's actually a really good idea. You know, I have my teaching uh, skills mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and my passion for cooking. And I came up with the idea of the cooking classes. And now I have done so many things. I have done, you know, I teach people how to cook in a regular basis. So, and then I do supper clubs at home. All my supper clubs are quite private. And I just sit on my table, six people, because that's all I can feed on my table. And I go to events, I cook for people, I do catering, this and that. So, so I'm, a, I'm a busy bee, as my <laughs> husband would say. <laughs> yes, and, and it has been a really nice adventure. And I have met a lot of nice people like Sonia, Meli, Nicole, Luisa, Heidi... You know, you, Rocio. Thank you. <laughs> Yolanda, that I met the other day. And, um, you know, I have met really nice people. The people from uh, Oscar, Luis. From Mex Trade, that is. Yes, that are specialized from, yes. traders here in London bringing Mexican products. Yes. So we, we it's just very nice to, to meet so many nice people that share the same passion as yeah. me. So, yeah, it's been a pleasure and it's been an adventure, as mm, I said. Mm. A, shared, a shared experience, no? With all mm. this network yes, of, of yeah. people. And when you, you mentioned no, that the first dish you sort of uh, started teaching by chance was chiles rellenos. Probably a very common and staple dish uh, people might eat in Mexico uh, when they visit. What was... I mean, you came here 15 years ago. What was the kind of Mexican food that was available back then here in London? Or what would be recognizable to 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 Britons as Mexican food? I am going to tell you this funny story. And you're probably going to find, like, oh my God, pobre, uh, poor um, English guy. So when I met my husband, you know, the first restaurant he took me out to for a date was the Chiquitos, which is, 
which he thought it was a Mexican restaurant. It's not really a Mexican restaurant, but you know, when I first arrived in London, it was it was impossible to find corn tortillas, jalapenos, fresh jalapenos or fresh tomatillos like that in your dreams. Poblanos, unless you brought them in your suitcase back from Mexico. But the Mexican ingredients were basically non-existent. Mm. And yeah, all the food that people kind of thought that it was Mexican food was uh, like a, a very bad version of Tex-Mex. Oh, yeah. an even bad version. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's a new low. So, yeah, so it was funny because um, a lot of people, when they first met me in... They were like, I love burritos. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, like, it's really nice to have these thick burritos with lots of rice. And, uh, <laughs> that's what? not Mexican food. So, you know, I actually thought when, when I started to see the world of Mexican food here in London was changing, mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden, you, you know, ah, yes, I just remembered that at that time, the only place that you could actually find Mexican food, like proper Mexican food, was this restaurant in Houston called Mestizo. Yeah. Is the, and it's still the kind of the place the Mexicans go. Uh, if so, I'm not mistaken, I think Chef Edson, he worked there for a while. Uh, and now it, he's yeah. in Santo Remedio. Edson Diaz Fuentes. Edson, see. But because... You know, I don't know if it was because of Mestizo or I don't know how, all of a sudden, the world of Mexican food, the people, the English food, uh, people knew, started to change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they now we have all the restaurants like Lupita, Santo Remedio, you know, that kind of show a different type of Mexican food. Bredos tacos. Corazón, I think that there's another one called Corazón. And oh, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah there's lots of lots of uh, little independent Mexican restaurants that they are cooking uh, proper Mexican food. So because of that... You know, the supply change the has been done. The supply change, yes. Okay. And so now you can actually find really good Mexican ingredients mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I remember that the first person that kind of started to introduce proper Mexican ingredients were this company called Cuchile mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they were the ones that started to make corn tortillas right and they still you know little by little you now you can find so many nice things still you cannot find fresh epazote yeah, that's true. In in the farms and farmers, if you're listening, it's great that that you're now growing chilies. Um, but go for for Mexican herbs as well. I mean, now you can source Mexican oregano, um, but it comes from Mexico actually. Uh, but you can grow it very easily. So yeah. it's true. It's true. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, so long as the as the demand yeah. becomes more specialized and bigger you can find more um, suppliers not trying yeah. to meet these needs. And now needs. You, you know, now you find these places, these restaurants that they even made their own tortillas. Yes, in, that's in, true. In, it's true. In their, in their premises. 
So then you have people like make straight that they make their own tortillas as well. And they even nixtamalize their own meals, which is amazing. You know, the world of Mexican food here in London have changed from really rubbish. From nothing. almost. I mean, from non-actual Mexican food. To, you know, to... To nixtamalize tortillas. Yes, it's like amazing. But, you know, when I started, um, I wanted to to show English people that we you could actually cook proper Mexican food mm. with the few ingredients that you had and that you could actually find here in London. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was my idea of starting my, my blog. And that's what I started mm-hmm. to do, you know. I used to actually use lots of alternatives. Yep. Yeah. And instead of, for example, instead of buying uh, fresh cheese or queso fresco, and I would actually go and look for the most similar cheese. And actually, at that time, I remember finding a Cypriot cheese uh-huh, called uh-huh. Anari. Oh, all right. Which is Hello. so similar to queso fresco. Oh, that's nice. Mm. That's nice to know. And then there's another one that you know is so similar to cotija mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is a, a cheese from lincolnshire yeah yeah um but now you know now you have la gringa dairy exactly doing exactly. proper mexican cheeses mm-hmm. but if you still do not have or you don't want to spend like five six pounds on a, a small piece of cheese you have the alternative so if you go onto my website and if you see in my blog you can find all the alternatives in the way I cook my Mexican food. Yeah, because how, that, have you yeah. sort of sourced your ingredients from here and there and yeah. build because, your network? Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's the thing, you know, I, uh, you, I cook, I'm, you know, I'm a housewife, so uh, the style of of my cooking is like Home easy. cooking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I do have, or oh, I do also cook elaborated and more complex dishes, but I always try to cook easy recipes that people will cook in their house. Yeah, yeah. Like so, with like, my dinners, you yeah, know, that like you can today, cook. Yeah. It didn't take me long to make my um, my green pozole. Your amazing vegetarian pozole. <laughs> yeah, and, yes. And you touched something uh, interesting. Now, in my experience, and after years of my own observation, uh, strange as it sounds, I think Mexico and Britain's cuisine share more in common than we might think. Um, and the fact that they have both evolved from uh, home cooking brings them together because it highlights the use of great quality produce using, you know, both our own cooking techniques, uh, but that really allow the natural flavors of the ingredients to be the main feature of the dishes. So like you say, it might not be overcomplicated, but it has to be really, really tasty, like good traditional English food is as well. And they also have in common the fact that over the centuries, they have, I mean, here in Britain, just like in Mexico, uh, we have embraced a number of culinary traditions from different uh, parts of the world that have been brought by immigrant communities, by trade, but above all, and more importantly, an attitude of openness to try new things. Yeah. So, um, you know, in your case, uh, that you are raising a mixed heritage family, 
Have you noticed other parallel aspects or commonalities in between our, our culinary traditions? Between Mexican food and English food? Um, yes, definitely. You know, it's really interesting to see the way English food has evolved over, you know, generations. Because I think now English food or English cooks um, and people at home tried their best to cook from scratch. Mm -hmm. Like if you yeah. kind of see my husband's generation, he will tell you that he, you know, his mom was kind of, would cook really easy and like frozen food and mm -hmm. all this stuff. But these days, it's the opposite. You know, people take their pride of cooking their own recipe of that fish is, and is chips true. Yeah, yeah. or cottage pie and, you know, and they do it from mm -hmm. scratch. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to see these days that, you know, people actually enjoy sitting together and eating together. I love, you know, one of the things that I love and I just found it quite fascinating and really fun is I love the, 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 this tradition that they have of the Sunday roast. <laughs> right. I just love it. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? And I do it was it. a revelation for me as yes. well. Yeah, yeah. I do it at home and, you know, I do everything, all the bits and bobs. And uh, it's really fun to, you know, think about what to do every Sunday, what meat, maybe chicken, maybe lamb, or maybe just like a piece of beef. And, you know, that Yorkshire pudding. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so for the listeners, uh, if you're not familiar with, with Sunday Roast, so here in Britain, Sunday Roast is, a, is an institution. Mums will, uh, you know, prep in advance. Uh, they will get a nice piece of meat. Uh, could be pork, could be lamb, could be chicken. Uh, traditionally, it will be, you know, humble uh, chicken will do. And parsnips, carrots, potatoes, of course, to make uh, some nice potatoes. patties. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yorkshire puddings and a nice gravy. Mm -hmm. So that crowned with a lovely treat, you know, a tray bake, mm -hmm. uh, a trifle. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's the whole idea of togetherness yes. and coming you know, everybody waiting for it, probably eating, you know, watching some telly and I don't know, the kids, you know, enjoying it. It's, it's a really, uh, not only comfort food, but also like um, a family time yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, It's like, for example, for the, the Mexican version for me would be my, my bowl of birria. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, going to the market together. Yeah, you know, no, actually, my my, you know, in Ensenada there's this. Yeah, in Ensenada there's this famous birria. Okay, a birria is a place where you go and buy birria. Birria is this Mexican stew mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, with, made with chilies and be in. Um, it can either be with goat or lamb. Yeah. It's, uh, it's it's very brothy. Yeah. yeah. So um, so my, uh, on a Sunday morning, my my father or my brother-in-law would go and buy the birria. So then we would just sit by breakf at breakfast. We would eat meat by bre for breakfast. Yeah. And spicy. Yes. Please. <laughs> and it would be just like um like an adventure, like like a whole thing in the morning and we'll just sit there for hours afterwards yeah. talking and laughing and so you know talking about this and that and what you're gonna do for the rest of the day and blah 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 it it is quite nice so that 
that sort of Sunday roast thing here in England, you know, is very similar to the things that we yeah. do in Mexico. And, and you can provide that for your own family as well, no? Yes. So here at home, well, sometimes, you know, for, as a Sunday roast, I actually do Mexican food. So yeah. I do yeah. tacos. I think you know, I, I think I do also yes. have like a Mexi burrito. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then you know I would have the whole Mexican meal, and we would actually finish it with the English dessert. Okay. okay. So it's it's really fun. It's really fun how my children are growing, like eating the different types of um, dishes that mm-hmm. that are traditional to both. Yes, no? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it has it has been amazing living in this country, and how my cooking actually my cooking habits have changed as well, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all the things I would actually cook. I mean, because let's be honest, I don't cook Mexican food every day. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, so. much exactly. <laughs> Disclaimer: Neither do I. Yes. <laughs> so I don't cook Mexican food every day. Some, but I do cook everything from scratch. And I actually, you know, have a day off, which is a, a Friday night. Right. So it's like pizza night for my chi- for my children, and or a trip to the chippy. <laughs> uh, well, no, we don't eat fish and chips here. Hey. I'm not fan of fish. And really? Chips, no. it's, it's it's fine. I mean. Um... But it's an acquired taste, yes. I suppose. You know, there's flavors that it's culturally not... might be more familiar or not. Uh, but it's funny now that you yeah. that you grew up eating so much um, fish. But yeah, but, but, it's, but it's your kind of fish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so I get that's it, the I get thing, it. you know, yeah. because we have the famous Baja fish tacos. Yes. So loved me, by everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. The butter that you use for the fish tacos are, is so light that I actually find the butter that they use for the fish and chips here quite heavy. Right. So that's why when I told you know, when I tend to do fit kind of this fish in mm-hmm. butter, mm-hmm. Yeah. and we usually eat it in a taco. So we basically eat Baja fish tacos. And I'm, I'm a very... I don't want to sound like this mom that, oh, my children don't need this and don't need that, but that I can for to my children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I really like to do my own fish and she, um, fish fingers. No, that's fine. And it's just, I just find it quite fun. I yeah. don't really find like, oh, no. It's not a chore. No. No, no. no I mean, I... <laughs> Sometimes I do give my children rubbish and then do things, <laughs> you know, ready meals and stuff like that because I don't have the, the time. time. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's just fun. And also it's fun to do it with my children. That's uh, great. I because you're giving them the same yeah. kind of experience that you had growing up. Yeah. The production of Pasta Chipotle is something I greatly enjoy, and I know you do too, because I read all the comments, emails, and messages you kindly send me. This is a podcast that is free for anyone to listen anywhere in the world. So far, thanks to your generous donations, I've been able to buy new portable recording equipment. But to keep this exciting project alive, I need your support. Independent creators like myself bring diversity, empowerment, and opportunities to enrich our global cultural exchange, which is why the support of audiences with a passion for knowledge, creativity, and entrepreneurship is essential. To become a sponsor for as little as $1 a month, please go to patreon.com forward slash Chipotle Podcast and select the type of donation you want to make. Every donation makes a big difference.
listeners, go to patreon.com forward slash Chipotle podcast and be part of this delicious story. So, for example, at the moment, Mia, Mia is my eldest daughter. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she says to me that she's she's going to be a chef. Every weekend, they do help me in the kitchen. It's really fun because uh, my husband was telling me this weekend that it's so nice because when he comes down, the breakfast is on the table. <laughs> and yes. uh, it's usually a Mexican breakfast. Yeah. And it's a whole thing. And we sit the four of us together. And it's, I feel very proud of teaching my children all these little traditions. Yeah. It's not just being able to fend for themselves and, and, you know, cook healthy and nice food. Really what makes the tradition of Mexican cooking great and so complex and so rich is the fact that it's a social construct. It's not just about the recipe. It's not just about the ingredients. It's not about the cooking tradition. It's about the social aspect and the conviviality of it. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with you. You know, Mexican food is not only about the flavors and ingredients and if it's traditional or not traditional. It's about that, about Mm -hmm. the fact Mm -hmm. that we do eat our Mexican food all together and we socialize and we share and we enjoy the food but together yeah yeah so it's really funny you say that because when i have my clients to mm-hmm. come for a mexican cooking class you know then then nowadays they become after they become a supper club because i want to make people you know i want to, to give them that experience yeah exactly yeah. so i want to people experience what what we have at home yeah. On a Saturday morning yeah. with my children and my husband, that even though he's not Mexican, but he kind of calls himself that he's very Mexican and he's more <laughs> Mexican than me. <laughs> so that's what I want people to, to experience that nice environment. So I, after the cooking class, I sit with my clients and I put Mexican music and then we have some drinks and we eat the food and we just talk about food and talk about this and talk about that but it's like this is what we this do this is also part yeah of of the mexican yes. cooking class because yes. this is what goes with it yeah, yeah? yes yeah. yes no that's so true and um if i may i want to sort of link another thing that I, that i think is another commonality between britain and and mexico and it's another social aspect that i think they have in common and it's um that both nations have a very enthusiastic culture of entrepreneurship. You know, call it out of necessity or just the desire to do things. <laughs> People, uh, like in Mexico here, are very straightforward about creating things, setting up their own little businesses, whether it's, uh, you know, their main source of income or a side projects. But I have to say that unlike in Mexico, the economic and legal framework to become an entrepreneur here facilitates this process immensely. Because while in Mexico, people will still set up and run their own businesses, you know, like um, a little food stall or, you know, a little um, delivery food thing or whatever, it often sort of uh, tends to be on the outskirts of legality because banking institutions are not, you know, nobody trusts them or, or it's a bureaucratic nightmare. 
how the taxation system drives people to operate in grey areas. So as a solo entrepreneur here in London, which has been your experience and, uh, you know, regarding uh, setting up and running your business? And do you think that in, even here, has this um, change, you know, like, like the government is making it easier for entrepreneurs to start their own businesses? And how do you think um, it is for a person to set up their little enterprise? I think that you can, you can do lots here in London, I mean in England. I think that um, when I started this business, I didn't know anything about the financial or the legal things. So it was all because of my husband, to be honest. So he is basically the mastermind of everything. <laughs> you know, I'm the cook. I'm the one that knows. Well, he facilitates, you know, <laughs> yeah. the operation, so, so he, you can he, he focus on me. that. He okay. guides me through the legal process, yeah. but it, it was very straightforward. You mm -hmm. know, you you have to have your uh, hygiene certificate. You have mm -hmm. to have your uh, insurance, mm -hmm. and you have to have another certificate. You have to have this um, person to come and check your inspect. Yeah, yeah. So. But it's very straightforward. And depending on the type of business you would like to open is the type of money that you probably would need. For example, my business is a very a small business. So mm -hmm. I didn't have to actually, I didn't need any loan or anything. Mm -hmm. No, everything just um, started by just deciding one day that I'm going to teach. So I went and did my hygiene certificate and then I just got my insurance and then my husband actually like did um, the application, the application yeah. through the government and all the stuff and that was it um, I was you know ready all to set off but uh, I, I do know for example that uh, if you if you need help there's lots of ways to do it mm -hmm. and you don't really only have to rely uh, on, on a bank loan yeah but yeah. there's also all the ways to do it because i do remember for example santo remedio did something on social media mm -hmm. that like is kind a of crowdfunding like a, yeah mm -hmm. so crowdfunding is another way to do mm -hmm. it so if you want to maybe do something bigger if you want to open your own restaurant your own cafe or things like that you know a food truck yes it's not like in mexico that you know there's no way or you really need a lot of money is Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's quite good. It's it's very straightforward, yeah. and and I actually have found lots of um everything so easy to do. Yeah, and and I mean just to be on the right side of the record, uh, it is doesn't mean that we, I mean we are not really talking down about our country. What we're saying is that there's so many talented and passionate people. Uh, and Mexico, Mexicans, I mean, have such a, a great attitude and incredible creativity to be entrepreneurial that things are going to happen with or without the help of yeah. banks and the government. What, what we're trying to say is that here they make it easier to start little uh -huh, and to yes. grow with your own means and, and then sort of, uh, you know, even be safe. Uh, yeah. Having that, that you actually feel that the government here has your back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that, that's, yeah, that's, that's what, what I, we mean. Yeah, that's what I'm actually trying to, to say as well, you know, because I know that 
wherever in the world you mm -hmm. are, if you want to do something, you will do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just probably in Mexico, you kind of really need this feeling that you have the government, the government, you know, on your working. side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way that you need to feel. And that's the way, you know, that's the things are here. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. And um, and you touched something interesting about, you know, the kind of experience you want to provide for your customers. So in recent years, I think, our relationship with food has uh, changed immensely. Our tastes have changed, our interests have changed. And there's this uh, increased interest uh, for specialized diets, even yeah, yeah. contrasting with or, you know, almost becoming an obsession for super indulgent foods and then uh, ingredients that are super, super ultra healthy. But nowadays, I think people also seek for experiences that allow them to enjoy and understand different cuisines and different cultures, you know. Sometimes you don't have the money to travel abroad, but you can invest in a little experience, uh, like a cooking class, like an immersive cooking class. And I think, you will tell us more, but I think it's precisely what our cooking classes are about. And what has been the reaction then from your guests, you know, your clients, when you provide this experience and when you're wrapping up the day, you know, when you're asking the final questions like... What do you think? How did you feel? Do they give any feedback? What has been the reaction? You know, my cooking classes are, have been just very successful. I just love the whole process. You know, a lot of people have asked me that why don't I teach in a school or big? And for me, the fact that I know my client very well yep. and to provide that experience, the Mexican experience to, we were talking about, is very important. So for me, the way I run my classes are just perfectly fine at the moment. It's very important for me to actually... Put quality to get exactly, that first, no? Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people love the classes. They love the fact that, you know, they come into my kitchen and they we work together. I teach them about the ingredients we're going to use. I tell them the story behind the ingredients. Mm -hmm. mm, I tell them little stories about my family, about my upbringing. How did I, you know, I started to cook mm -hmm. and how did I, you know, end up cooking so well. You know, that the whole thing. It's a, it's a joy, it's an adventure, and I have met so many nice people. Mm -hmm. I, I'm very thankful for what mm -hmm. I share with them of my knowledge with Mexican food, mm -hmm. and I hope to keep it like this, you know. Mm -hmm. Every client is special. Yeah. Each class is different because each person has its own needs and yeah. its own mm -hmm. requirements. And, you know... I'm not that sort of yes I am a traditional cook yeah. but I'm very flexible so when I have a client that doesn't need uh, meat that is vegetarian or vegan mm -hmm. I don't have any problems whatsoever of you know changing the recipe to, to just, adapt it to the yeah. needs of, of why food, not yeah. because that's what food is for i mean we don't have to be strict uh, that's a fair point because uh let's not forget ever ever that all gastronomic traditions have evolved out of necessity 
and will always carry on changing and adapting to each family's tastes, exactly. needs, what's available, uh, what's seasonal, you know. Uh, so, I mean, we, we can't allow ourselves to be purists about that. I mean, it's, it's true that, you know, you have these, like, mm, very special recipes that you would always carry in your in your heart. Yeah. And, and you won't accept any change. <laughs> I won't accept any change. But even so, if somebody wants to cook my family's taquitos dorados and that person is vegetarian, well, I don't have any problems by, you know, removing the meat. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> well, you know, they go with potatoes. So, you know, the rest is exactly the same. Um, but it's true. I I always say to people, well, the traditional way is this way. But you, I do not have any problems by adapting. adapting yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I live outside Mexico And I have to adapt myself Every in day. the place where I yeah, live. Absolutely. So I'm not, you know, I'm not expecting or I don't want people to start, you know, hating Mexican food because you can't really change this. Yeah, really. yeah, I understand. So yeah, yeah. you do your dish, how you know, whatever you want. I, For example, the simple example is that I have this recipe for making guacamole, mm -hmm. which I call my family's guacamole. As I said the other day in my social media, at the end of the day, you you are the one that is going to eat it, not me. So you put whatever you want in your guacamole. Yeah. But what's important of, of your work, and I think of any traditional cook, is something that Douglas Cullen mentioned in his recent interview here in Paso Chipotle, which was... You are giving people a point of reference. Exactly. So, this is how it should be done because this is how it should taste. Yeah. Because this is the texture. And during the cooking process, these are the stages and the textures and the smells and, you know, how it breaks down, how it transforms. And this is the final dish. From that reference point of, you know, yeah, you can, you know, put more or less of this or other ingredient, more salt, less salt, I don't know. But... So long as you have that reference, then you can play about and make it your own. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's, I always actually say that to my clients at the end of the class. So, you, you know, you now have the traditional recipe. Now it's up you to you if own. you want to make it like this or if you want to be adventurous and, you know, adding this or adding that. Yeah. It's yeah. up to you. I do it with my recipes as well. Yeah. yeah. Because I sometimes, you know, I don't have this. Oh, I don't have certain ingredient, and ah, but I do have that. Oh, I'm just just gonna put it. Yeah. Now, um, I think it would be fair to say that your classes are now as successful, and the experience you provide to people is the best they can be. Because was it a coincidence in time, and and the the quality of the products that the traders are being able to bring here. Yeah, I think so. Right. I think I think it, 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 you know I started doing the cooking classes at the right time because at the moment you know us Mexican food here in London has been it has like it like the boom it has grown yeah, yeah and people want to try the real thing yeah so and you know now with so many um, ingredients that we can purchase. Um, it's easier yeah, to teach the, yeah. the, the, the real thing. Yeah. 
But I think that, I mean, before, uh, I probably could have been able to do it as well. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I used, I have always... It's a little bit pricier, but... (laughs) Yeah, and I have always cooked Mexican food here. Um, I mean, no matter matter what sort of um, ingredients I used to have, I also Mm -hmm. used to cook this or that with different things. But, yeah okay but at the moment i just think that you know the 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 cooking classes are you know is the right time because mm-hmm. there's so many ingredients that we can find these days and also and also for your students no to yeah, go on exactly. and, and carry on um yeah yeah cooking. and you know the, the fun thing about the classes is that at the end of the class obviously i give my printed recipes mm-hmm. and then I always give them like a sample of some of the Mexican ingredients we use in the right. class, yep. so they can actually recreate the the, the, the same dishes the same at home. Dishes at oh, home. that's that's really clever. Yeah, it's yeah. a little it's a little token yeah. of. No, that's that's but it's something a great nice. idea. Of yeah. course, of course. Yeah, it's it's been and it benefits everybody because yeah. the more they buy, you know, the more products they will source, the more you will benefit, the more they will benefit. I mean. It's yeah. a win-win for everybody. It's a win-win for everybody, yeah. I think that, you know, here in London, the Mexican community mm-hmm. of people doing Mexican food is really big. Mm. And it's just really nice. And it's, it's, it's just nice that we all help each other. Yes. That's yes. The, what I always have said since the beginning that I started is, you know, I have met a lot of nice people. You know, we're here to help each other. Yeah. Because at yeah. the end of the day, we're, we're trying to make people happy yes, through yes. our food, right? Yeah. So if we help each other... It so will be even more enjoyable. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. it's just nice to, you know, to see all these really talented mm. Mexicans that have actually done a lot for Mexican food here in England. Yeah. And even, you know, people that are not English, you, they're doing it properly. And it's just really nice to see that even English people do care yeah. about the... They're respecting exactly. the tradition. It's just, yeah, it's, yeah. it's very important. It's, yeah. And it's, yeah. just, it's just nice. It's something um, Carla and myself were commenting some weeks ago when Rick Stein's program yeah. Road to Mexico was on here on, on the BBC. And we both have the cookbook <laughs> and, yes. and we were commenting that we were really happy that uh, this attitude that is very respectful and very honest about uh, making you know some little interpretations or some little changes to very traditional recipes are really actually helping you know pe- people being less afraid to try yes uh, exactly things. it's just see people are more interested yeah. on knowing more. the actual origin no yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. it has been amazing to see over the years the process of how the mexican food world here mm-hmm. in England mm-hmm. have actually changed. It, it has been a pleasure to be part of this movement yeah, because it has been a movement yeah, yeah. and, you know, I feel very honored when when people actually know who I am. Yes, of course. Well, you work hard for that, no? <laughs> yes, I do work hard, honestly. It's been... <laughs> It's been a long, a long journey for me and a lot of work. Yes, People I do know. not have a clue how 
hard you have to work in your kitchen <laughs> I know, yeah. to produce a recipe <laughs> and you know to go searching for the ingredients to cook to write the recipe to Prepare, post it yeah, yeah. and to advertise the recipe on your social media is a lot of work and at some point i have to be honest with you i just wanted to keep up everything Because I was just thinking, you know... I don't have the time. No. Well, no, it wasn't about not having the time. It was like, where is this taking Going, me? Right. It's just, I'm just working for, for, for what? what? So, you know, then my friend and my husband had this idea of the cooking classes. And now I feel that I am contributing. It's coming together now. Yeah, no? I'm contributing more in what I'm doing. So it's not you know a waste of time and yeah. a waste of energy yes. what i know is reaching people is reaching people yeah and that you generate your income yeah. you give them a great experience yes. no i mean now and it's, it's just nice to share with people the memories that's that's what i decided to call mm -hmm. my blog mexican mm -hmm. food memories because It's just nice to share the memories of my childhood and my my time when I was living in Mexico with people. Yeah. I have, as I said at the beginning, very nice, lovable and fond memories yeah. growing up. <laughs> Cooking. Oh, sorry. Cooking in the kitchen okay. with my father. That everybody knows now that, you know, he passed away 10 years ago. You are reconnecting yes, exactly. with, with his with legacy. That. And every time you cook, you bring him back to your life. Yeah. Of course. Of it's, course. You know, it's bringing all these memories back to life. You know, my husband said to me, why don't you open a restaurant or a cafe? No, I like the way I'm doing things. Yeah, you know, This I is, understand. I get it. I get it. I just have, I just... Find, Because it's so intense. Yeah. And it's, it's you really are going for for the one-on-one -on -one contact to have a real encounter in pe with people, no? Like, it's yeah. about you and me today Yeah. talking about this food that will change your world exactly no i understand yeah at the end of my class we don't like we're not, we're not strangers, strangers anymore, anymore. <laughs> and it's really funny because when the class finished we like you say hug. goodbye with a hug and with kisses <laughs> and all the stuff like typical mexican my yes my, yes but <laughs> my husband said yeah yes typical mexican they live and you like the best friends like forever <laughs> it's just really funny so i really hope continuing with what i do and i hope in the that, way you're doing yeah, in, yeah. The, in the way i doing uh, i'm doing things Now, um, just sort of beginning to wrap up the interview because um, there's some things, some last things I want to ask. You sort of have mentioned already, you know, the new restaurants and kind of experiences that people can have with Mexican food across the city here in London. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you find lots of supper clubs and they cook proper Mexican food. Edson, he cooks with his heart and the food he produces is is really like a like a homemade cook like food from your home mm -hmm. but with like a this through the hands of a chef <laughs> yeah exactly and the way he presents the dishes is really nice i have tasted his food and believe me it's really nice you know oaxaca the restaurant has 
broad Mexican chefs. Including Olvera, right? Yes, Enrico has been here. Um, Things you wouldn't have been able to see at all 15 years ago. Because people would have been like, what? (laughs) Yes. But now that they're... And then, you know, because of the suppliers, you are able to taste things or these ingredients, for example... I remember one time there was, I think it was when Enrique Olvera was here and mm-hmm. he did the supper club here, they brought Oja Santa. Oh. So oh. they brought Oja Santa, fresh So Oja Santa, Santa is a, a big leaf, a green leaf that is eaten fresh. It can be eaten dry, but it's normally eaten fresh and it's a, a very kind of fleshy uh, kind of uh, leaf and has like minty aniseed kind of flavor and is great for infusing fish for making tamales for infusing stews for making tortillas even which is one of his uh, Enrico Olvera's signature uh, yes. tortillas back, uh, back in Santa. Mexico in Pujol yeah, yeah. Uh, so they even brought uh, Oja Santa yeah they, they, they brought Oja Santa and then you know, you it's fun when they do these uh, supper clubs because you find all these ingredients that you, in a million years, would find it in a regular basis. Then finally, now, Carla, before we finish, which book have you been recently flicking through that has sort of inspired you? <laughs> to be honest with you, um, I was actually... Um, it's not about uh, Mexican food, but it's... No? Yeah, so I was reading a book by Elena Poniatowska. Elena, you know, I like the way she writes. But one of her books is uh, La Piel del Cielo. It's my favorite book. But one of my most favorite books is Lilus Kikos. It's this little girl. It's a, it has a short story. You know, it touched me. So I highly recommend it. Now, finally, I would really like to have one of your amazing recipes accompanying this episode. So what? Uh, have you chosen to share with the well, audience? It will be two recipes. Actually. Oh, I would treat. love to share family recipes for tacos dorados, Sinaloa style, because my mom is from Sinaloa. My mom's families are very proud of the way they made their own tacos dorados. No. And the other one, the Baja style fish tacos, mm. that would be really nice for oh, you to share that with is you. Such a great treat! A two for one tacos. That yes. is amazing. Carla, thank you so much for your warm welcome, for the amazing food we've had and for the lovely conversation. Please tell the audience how can they reach you, how can they book a cooking class, which are your social media accounts, website, email. Yeah, well, they can reach me through email, Carla with K, K-A-R-L-A, at mexicanfoodmemories.co.uk or they can just follow me on social media. My name is at mexicanfoodmemories. And you can send me an email or call me on my mobile. Mm-hmm. It's all triple seven five six double seven one two zero, and you can book a class through me. And in the future, I am trying to organize more supper clubs. So you don't have to come and cook. You only have to come and eat my food. <laughs> I will be very grateful if you follow me on my Mexican food memory story. And making and, memories together. How about yeah, that? exactly. <laughs> and, and thank you. Thank you very much no. for having me in your podcast. It's just amazing. I have listened to some of the interviews and I really, really, really admire your work. You're such a talented lady. Oh, thank you. Honestly, she is very, very talented. (laughs) I I didn't pay her to say that. (laughs) 
I'm, I'm very honored of being in your podcast. It has <laughs> been a pleasure to have you in my house. Mm. It was just very nice to cook Aww. for you. Thank you. And to share a little bit of tequila. tequila. And on that note, we're <laughs> going to end the interview. With so, Carla, salud. salud and thank you. <laughs> salud. Please stay tuned and we'll return with the show after the break. Mexico's grand fiestas are a unique way to remember and joyously celebrate the nation's history, cultural diversity and ancestral traditions. From the patriotic celebrations like Independence Day and the anniversary of the Mexican Revolution to Christmas, Dia de la Candelaria and the world-famous Day of the Dead. These iconic celebrations bring together new and ancient traditions from the spiritual to the joyous always welcoming locals and strangers in rewarding and soulful celebrations of life. The Mexican Fiesta's issue of Sabor, This is Mexican Food magazine, explores the cultural history of the nation's festive calendar through in-depth articles and many traditional recipes to prepare unique dishes like pozole, chiles en hogada, day of the dead bread, and many more. To know more about the wonderful articles and recipes to start the making of your own family traditions, go to pasechipotle.com forward slash magazine. Take sabor with you on all your digital devices. Go to pasechipotle.com forward slash magazine and get ready to cook, learn, and enjoy Mexican food like you never imagined. If you enjoy this show, please rate and leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. This is crucial to help the podcast reach a bigger audience and deliver more of the food stories you love and enjoy. Support the show on Patreon, the largest platform that connects creators with great audiences like you. You can find all the links mentioned on today's interview on the description of the show, including a link to subscribe to my newsletter to get exclusive content, extra material and special discounts. Thank you for listening. Goodbye from me, my friends. Until the next time. Namaste, my name is Kim, India, se, and I like the Chipotle podcast. Hello, I'm Oilai Deep. Actually, I'm Korean. I like to listen to the Chipotle podcast. Hey there, this is Jolina Nederland, and I like to ask the Chipotle podcast. Bonjour, je m'appelle Amélie, je viens de France et j'adore écouter Passage Public Podcast. Mmh.